A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 46 through 48. An argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, aware of their inner thoughts, took a child and put it by his side and said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for the least among all of you is the greatest. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious, loving, always with us, God, we come to you now with our emotions, with our fears, with our excitements, with our joys. God, you hold us in all of our feelings, in all of us, all parts of us, in your hands. Be with us as we continue into worship. We love you and we thank you. Amen. I love a good church story. And I am so fortunate to have so, so many in growing up. I had the opportunity to play handbells growing up, not just with my mom, but also with my grandmother. Three generations of handbell players. Incredible. I was and still kind of am obsessed with Vacation Bible School. If you've noticed some of the, direct, uh, the decorations in the family pew, I went to all of the summer camps, and it should be no surprise that I played Jesus just a few times in our Easter and Christmas pageants. I love church, and I love the people. Mr. Mark, one of my Sunday school teachers, would always ask me obscure Bible trivia in between, or on Sundays that I would spend the week researching and trying to find. One question, for example, what is the longest name in the Bible? Herman? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Woo, that's going to definitely get me in trouble. <clears throat> the longest name in the Bible, I've had it with me since fourth grade. The longest name in the Bible is Maher Shal'al Hashbaz. If I could remember where it was, I'd get the bonus point but uh, I cannot remember where it was. But that name has stuck with me since fourth grade. Brother Gary, the pastor of the church that I grew up in, <clears throat> always invited me and encouraged me to ask questions, which has never, ever gotten me in trouble, not once. <laughs> His wife, Miss Jerry, used to bring the best dishes to our church potlucks. Ugh, I remember so, so many of them. Mr. Rip used to give me a, a wintergreen lifesaver after Sunday school as he headed to the choir loft to sing, or the, the, um, the choir room to practice and rehearse for Sunday worship. Brother Art, last one, 
Brother Art used to dress up as the character Goober for vacation Bible school every year. He would have a costume, he would have a wig, he would have an accent, and he may remind you of someone who you all have met and may meet again in the coming weeks. He's probably lost somewhere at camp right now. I love those memories. I love these memories of holding on to, cherishing all those moments of growing up in my church and in my church community. Now, in our scripture today, we find a community of people uh, traveling to Capernaum, including Jesus and his disciples. And the disciples, to no one's surprise, at least in my opinion, were bickering once again. This time, it was about who they thought was the best and the brightest. Who could pray the best? Who was the closest to God? Who had the best answers? Who did the most? Who was the greatest? And so Jesus, our storyteller, invites a child to come and sit down next to him. He points over to the kid, he looks at the disciples, and he says, if you want to be better, you must change and be like this child. Whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me also welcomes the one who sent me. For the least among all of you, is the greatest. Now, it wasn't about the child. I think the disciples kind of knew that. But Jesus, knowing their inward thoughts, knew what they did not know. Jesus chose that child not just because it represented the most underrepresented and disadvantaged and ignored and useless. Not just because it hopefully reminded them of the ways in which Jesus had just healed a child two stories ago in the same chapter. Not just because it hopefully reminded them of all of that, but because this child, that child represented and represents each and every one of us. In this story, this child, this kid that Jesus picked from the crowd does not have a name, and so we are left to fill it in. It could be anyone, and it could be everyone. And yet, that child, that child was picked specifically by Jesus out from the crowd to answer the disciples' repeated question, how do I be more like you? And Jesus answers by 
flipping the, the, the disciples' idea of greatness upside down. I think that kid probably remembered this moment. Children are always listening and observing, and I think we underestimate it. And I think that they often do a better job than we do ourselves. I think it's part of what we can learn from seeing that kid standing there with Jesus pointing at them. The kid that lacked any sort of power and yet is able to enter and receive the kingdom. The kid silently standing there as a literal embodiment of the kingdom. And so, as Jerome Berryman, founder of Godly Play, might ask of this story, I wonder what children might teach us about maturity just by their fundamental being. We read this story from the Gospel of Luke, but similar stories are found in Matthew 18 and Mark 9. And this exchange is one of eight primary references of Jesus with children in the New Testament, each offering a high view of children and their value and place in the kingdom or kiddom of God. From Jesus inviting the children to come to him in Mark, to the children crying out Hosanna in Matthew, children can intuit divinity, and Jesus had a special understanding of how children interacted with the holy, how children interacted with the divine. It is like how our friend Matteo, who in uh, Godly Play class a few years ago, once wondered after hearing the story of Moses the week before and the story of the Good Shepherd the following week, Matteo wondered and asked if perhaps Moses was a good, might have been a good shepherd. I don't know, Matteo. <laughs> that sounds like a great question. Had I ever thought of anything of that sort? Had I ever had that deep, this deep theological conviction that perhaps Moses may have been a good shepherd and most likely was a good shepherd? Absolutely not. As the director of family ministries here at First Presbyterian, I savor the moments to learn from our children here. And I honestly wonder what they'll take away from our time together. What stories are we sharing with them? How are we reflecting their Christ through childlikeness as they grow? What stories of the people in this community will they remember? I got a chance last week to catch up with Ann Toller as she and Virginia were preparing the art installation here in the sanctuary for last week. Ann was one of the first folks who volunteered to help out as a second presence when I started teaching Godly Play here three years ago next month. Unreal. 
And I am amazed at all the ways in which she and her wife, Virginia, have loved this place for so long and how this community has loved them and their family. Anne was sewing some of the fabric on this end of the rainbow as we chatted. And she talked about how much she loved being with our young ones and all the ways she's amazed and inspired and taught by them. And as she was holding these rainbow colors in her hands, she told me how much she valued bringing all of her into the godly play classroom so that all children were welcomed and knew that they were welcome in our godly play space, knowing how she had been welcomed in this community. She wants to make sure that our children experience that same welcome. And as a queer person myself, the way she so gracefully and compassionately and lovingly said that hit me so deep in my core. I know I'll never forget that or this. Just as fiercely and as vividly as that kid remembered getting called out by Jesus. The children of God sitting together, welcoming one another with loving kindness. We've spent our summer thinking about welcome, and I am grateful for all of the ways in which you all have welcomed me here. And I'm excited to share some of the ways in which we will be welcoming our children and youth and families back into our fall program. Starting September 12th, we are starting what I'm calling Second Sundays, an action-packed day for family ministries. Beginning in worship, our young ones will be welcomed into our worship space, and we will have an extended children's time during the sermon in our former library space, which is excitingly in the final stages of renovation, which we are all so, so grateful for. I am so excited to see the ways in which that space will welcome all ages. After the sermon, our young ones will return to worship so that they can continue to hear and observe our stories and our traditions and be with our community. Following worship that Sunday, our families will be invited to the lower courtyard space for a whole family lesson together. Activities for everyone, and I am so excited that we will be heading back to Compassion Camp this year, this fall, and we're heading back to Compassion Camp with a whole new theme, changing the world with loving kindness. 
it is going to be so, so good. Now, uh, we'll do that once a month on our second Sundays. After Compassion Camp, our youth will be invited to join us for a picnic, a family picnic in the park for a meal and conversation together. And then our youth and I will hang for a little bit on Sunday afternoons. I know I said that I'm calling it Second Sundays. I'm I think I maybe should consider super second Sundays because, y'all, it is really going to get intense up in here. Anyone? Intense. We're going to compassion camp. Intense. I tried. I tried. I tried. We want you involved. We would love to have you involved. Uh, So we are looking for musicians, storytellers, arts and crafts leaders. The opportunities are endless. I invite you to reach out to me if you are interested in leading the way with loving kindness. Friends, as we continue to extend our summer of welcome beyond our summer, I am thrilled at the ways in which we will be welcoming our families back to this space and further into this, deeper into this community. I consider myself so privileged to be able to work with them, and I look forward to an epic return to Family Ministries programming next month. With this idea of loving kindness, it is my hope that our young folk will not just hear the words, but will experience loving kindness regularly within our community. And I challenge you to be mindful of the ways in which you encounter the divine in others in the days ahead.